0: WHERE THE SUN AND MOON COME FROM. After the great flood all the Indians of the islands feared to build huts so they dwelt in caves. There were not many people because all excepting the wise Kakike and his wives and sons had been drowned in the flood. The wise kakike was not drowned for he had built a great canoe and put into it his whole family and many creatures besides. He had done so because the behike had warned him that a great rain was coming and had told him to build a strong canoe. As there were not many people when the waters had returned to the sea and left the land dry, There were grottoes enough for them all to live in, and also for the spirits that dwelt in caves, waiting until they were called out into the light and air. But the grottoes in which men lived were not deep hidden at the edge of the sea, as were the caves inhabited by spirits. In one of the deepest caves lived the sun and the moon. It was called the cave Jobaba. From this place none of the bright beams of the sun nor the soft light of the moon could reach the earth. Only the stars shone in the sky. At last the sun and moon became tired of the cave. There was indeed scarcely room for both of them in that grotto, and the light they made was so great it blinded even themselves. It was the sun who first grew impatient. His glory hurt him, because he was so close to it, and he did not think of anything but how he could be more comfortable. Said he to the moon, "'It is not fitting that I, who am the father of all life, and who may command all the spirits that are in the caves, should be shut up this way with another luminary, even one so small and weak as you are. You ought to go away and leave this cave to me. I can easily fill it all.' "'But where shall I go?' asked the moon anxiously. "'There is no other cave for me.' "'Well, there is the biggest cave of all, not yet full,' answered the sun, "'There is the huge blue cave of the sky. "'The stars don't need so much space. "'There is plenty of room for you. "'Why don't you go out and light it up? "'Try.' "'Reluctantly the moon consented to try. "'She was so grieved that the sun found her in his way "'that she drooped the points of her silver crescent down, down, "'till the hollow wouldn't have held a drop of water.' timidly she ventured forth from the cave, and she was so delicate and small that she looked quite unable to do anything for herself. Thereupon the air took pity on her, and offered to lift her up so that she could reach a place in the sky. The sky-cave was so big that the little moon was terribly frightened, and tried to hide her face in the skirts of the clouds, and when at last she had poised herself, it was only a slender silver rim that anyone could see of her. By and by, though, she grew less afraid, and then, little by little, she showed her whole face, and everyone who saw it loved it. Meantime, the Sun had found himself just as cramped in the cave as ever. It is true that when the moon went away he had wanted at the last to go, too, but he had thought a whole great cave to himself was too fine a thing to leave. Yet when he saw his little companion in that beautiful blue dome that arched far above the entrance to his own dwelling, he became angry that so small a thing as the moon should have a finer place than he had, and in a sudden temper— he rushed out and sprang into the sky after her. On seeing him coming, the moon took fright and began to run away, always looking back, however, though she turned only a part of her face toward the sun. So running and turning she was lost to view. It was the sun now who had the sky-cave to live in, and even the stars left it to him alone. Oh, how glorious it was to be there! At last he could stretch himself to his utmost, he could send his wonderful light in all directions, and he could behold the earth and all things that adored him. These were many, for he warmed the earth that had been cold. He made green plants and bright flowers to start out of the dark soil. He made children laugh and men and women glad, so that they knelt down and worshipped him, and called themselves children of the sun." Nevertheless, the sun became very lonely, for no one came very near to him, no one was really neighborly, no one was his very own friend. He began to want his little companion, the sweet tender moon, and at last he determined to go and find her. But where to look for her? He thought long and hard one evening as he descended the sky-cave. By the time he had reached its lowest edge he felt sure that he should find her in the cave Jobaba, where they had been happy together before he drove her out. Toward Jobaba, therefore, he went eagerly, but before he could reach it he saw, emerging from it, the pale, almost averted face of the fair moon. Oh, moon!' he cried. Where are you going? Why do you fly when I am coming? "'Dear Moon, do not go away again.' But the moon would not listen, and would not linger. As the sun plunged into the cave, thinking that if he were within she might return, she mounted high in the clear sky. Since that time the sun has never been able to overtake the moon, or to persuade her to remain very near him. Sometimes she turns her cold, sweet profile toward him for a little, and once in a great while she dares to turn her back upon him and pass silently before his face. But she never lingers, she will not dwell with him. Both of them return to the grotto to sleep, and from there they start on their daily journey through the sky cave, but only one of them at a time makes the journey or inhabits Jobaba. The moon sleeps through the day, and when the sun comes at evening to take his slumber, she has already started on her nightly rounds nevertheless she often looks sad under her silver veil for never can she forget that she was driven from her home though because of the memory of it she always shines with alluring brightness on sweethearts but the indians say that the gods made her sad that her sighs might refresh the night breezes